0: Good morning again. How's everyone doing? Good, good. Hopefully you're awake. Uh, if you get open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20 and take out your message outline, I greatly appreciate that this morning. Uh, one of the questions I'm asked most often by people, and probably you are too, is how's it going? How are you doing? How things, how is everything? You get asked that a lot. What's your answer to that? Okay, great, fine, doing good. And, and, and if they ask extin- extension of that question and they ask me to continue on. I'm uncomfortable with my answer many times because I I don't like the answer that I give But I come and I say, uh, I'm busy. How many of you say, I'm busy, I'm busy, and I I don't like that. I think to myself, I shouldn't be busy. None of us shouldn't be busy, that we have kind of uh, fast-forward everything in our lives. We're living at such a rapid pace that we're thinking there's got to be more to life than just increasing the speed of it, right? But yet we do that. And then we gather together at funerals, and we say, boy, time just flies. Time's just going by so quickly. It just flies by. We've come to a commandment today, the fourth commandment, that's, I think, really going to help us. And you may look at this commandment and say, this is the only one of the commandments that's not repeated in the New Testament. So I'm all right with this, right? But I think if we look at a deeper discovery, we're, we're going to find it very challenging. As the Bible says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you should work, and then a the seventh day should be a day of rest. In worship rest in worship when God was speaking to the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 19 he he was speaking to them on the Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai sometimes called the mountain of God he was speaking to the children of Israel they were at the base of the mountain at the foot of the mountain and God was basically saying to them we have this relationship we have this relationship I'm your God and you are my people and it brought you out of the land of Egypt, brought you out of the land of slavery. I bought you, I redeemed you, I gave you your freedoms, is what he's saying. And we've got this relationship, I'm yours, and you're mine, and he says, here's the commandments. Here's the rules that I want you to, here's how I want you to live, is what he's telling me. Here's how I want you to live. In this particular one, commandment number four, can you imagine God saying to the children of Israel, and I'm going to paraphrase it for you this morning, where he says, I can help you Make your life count. I can help you make your time matter. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That's what he's saying to him. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The Codex of Hammurabi, was the, which is from 18th century B.C. in Babylon, it was a code that basically told the rulers of Babylon how they were to live and how they were to operate and rule. Uh, otherwise, uh, that code was meant so they would not offend the gods. Otherwise, the gods, they would strip them of the rule and, and to reign. So they would live those rules out out of fear and out of self-glory. When God gave us the Ten Commandments, it was not out of fear that we obey Him. It was not out of self-glory, but it was for His glory, right? And we obey out of love. The Pharisees didn't always understand this. Uh, They were religious group of leaders in the New Testament in the times of Jesus. And the Pharisees, they would obey these laws, they would do it to please God. To be accepted by God, to have a relationship with God, and through their self-righteousness and their self-glory, and out of the fear of God, they would do this, thinking they were going to please God, and God was going to accept them. And many people are doing that in the world today. Feeling like I gotta follow these rules, I gotta jump through these hoops, I gotta do all these religious things so God will accept me, so I can appease God, and he would please with me, and he allowed me to enter into heaven. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that because we've already been accepted through Jesus Christ, amen? That Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and we are accepted by God through Jesus, through the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross, we'll talk more about that later on. But we're accepted by him, so we come to him in a way that we don't have to do all that work. But we still have to obey him, right, now that we have a relationship. Deuteronomy chapter 5 is what I want to challenge with you today before I get into the commandment. By the way, Deuteronomy chapter 5 the Ten Commandments are listed again in, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, in Exodus chapter 20, in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And it says here, If you follow my ways, you will live, and it will be well with you. That translated or, or interpreted or applied to our lives it, it, with this commandment. It says we have the opportunity to obey it or disobey it, right? We have the opportunity. Every time we get a command, every time the Word of God is open, we have an opportunity to obey it or disobey it. If we obey it, He says, we will live, and it will go well with you. The NIV says, you will prosper and prolong your days. So with this in mind, let's look at this command with the principle behind this command, the principle that God gives to you and I, the spirit of this command we want to look at today. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Let's learn three things, three things we can set this day aside. In order to make our days count, in order to make our lives really matter to a greater degree, okay. So, if you have your outlines, everyone have their outline. So, the first thing, three things to learn about the Sabbath: set apart the Sabbath, set apart the Sabbath. He tells us this type of command is only it isn't found in any of the other ancient Near Eastern cultures. It's unique to the children of Israel. It's almost as if God is saying, we have this unique relationship. You are different than any other nation in the world, and there's a day that you have to keep aside to keep it holy, because you and I have this relationship is what God is saying to him. You have to keep it this way. And they had hints of this. Three or four chapters earlier, as they're wandering in the desert, God provided them food six days a week, but he didn't provide on the seventh day, right? So on the sixth day of the week, God would provide them extra food so they could take to that into that seventh day that would not spoil. If they try to uh, save any of the other food they had. On any other day, the food would spoil. So God provided them on the sixth day for the seventh day. So they knew that this seventh day was pretty special. And God had said, remember it and keep it holy. When we look at this command, when we see remember, remember the Sabbath day, that's found over 100 times in the Old Testament. And when it's found, it's almost always referring back to this Exodus command in the New Testament, where it says, don't forget the Sabbath or remember the Sabbath. Yet, that word remember in the Hebrew language is a different and deeper connotation da- than it does in the English English language. For example, if moms and dads, and maybe your kids are growing up, and moms and dads, you, maybe you made your children a lunch and you told them, uh, don't re- remember to take your lunch to school, right? Remember to take your lunch. And your children leave and they don't take their lunch. And they come back home and you say, hey, did you remember to take your lunch? And they look at you and say, I remember to take my lunch. Did you take your lunch? No. But I remembered, right? Or maybe you drove in this morning, and and it's October 8th, and you drove in your car, and it says, and your person sitting next to you said, "Hey, uh, it's October 8th. It's my birthday. Or it's October 8th. It's our anniversary." And said, "Did you remember? Oh yeah, I remembered. I remembered. Did you make any plans? Are we going out to dinner? Did you buy me a gift or anything like that?" No, no. But I remembered. And see, that word in Hebrew means "remember" means it follow through on the actions that the memory demands yes, I remembered your birthday, and I bought you a gift, I did this, we're going out to eat, and all those kind of things, It's to follow through on the action that that memory demands, is what it means. Follow through on the actions that memory demands. So remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, is what he's saying. Remember it. So the holiness of the Sabbath was to be set aside. That's what it really literally means. Set aside, or, or set apart, is what it says. And, and to set it aside, different than any other day, and keep it holy, is what he's saying. Different than any other day. I want to uh, read you a passage from Isaiah chapter 58, verse 13 through 14. It's a powerful passage. It reminds us the spirit of the Sabbath that it gives us. And we think about, who is the Sabbath for anyhow? Who is it for? Let's read what it says in verse 13 and 14. Listen very carefully. He says, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, from doing as you please on my holy day, so it's God's day, my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please, or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. These are very powerful words because what he is saying here, this Sabbath is not about me, it's not about my delights. My pleasures, my schedule, the things I want to do, it's all about God, the Sabbath is. It's, set, it's be set apart. It's holy unto God is what he's saying here. The children of Israel didn't always do, always do this very well. Matter of fact, if you study the history of the Hebrew people, you would find out that one of the reasons that they were carried off into captivity because their abuse of the Sabbath and their length and their measurement, their time they were carried off into captivity was according to how long they kept from doing the Sabbath. So this is a really big deal to God. It may not seem like a big deal to us, but this is really, really a big deal to God, the Sabbath. So this life, these days, our times are in God's hands. So let's learn what God has to say about it because it's so important. He set this day aside. It's the fourth commandment. So the first thing it says, set apart the Sabbath, set it aside. Keep it holy, right? So the second point in our notes, the second thing to learn about the Sabbath, practice a pattern of work and worship pattern of work and worship verses 9 and 10 he says six days you shall labor and do all your work but the seventh day is a sabbath to the lord your god on it you shall not do any work neither you nor your son or your daughter nor your manservant or maidservant nor your animals nor the alien within your gates we have something tucked away in this commandment that's very important in verse nine where it says six days you shall labor God's all about work. We read about that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Some people say that that, uh, work was part of the curse. It was not. We're made to work. God made us to work. This body that he gave you is made to work. So God's work week here is six days, right? We see that, six days. Six days you work, and then you put a period, and then there'll be a separation, and there will be a day where you have worship, and rest we all get that right worship and rest so you're going to work six days the seventh day is to be holy set apart to the lord is what he's saying and it's going to be a day of worship and rest is what he told them god knew our propensities to get busy god knew our propensities to be selfish he knew that that we're going to say this is my time right we all say that. this is my time it's my weekend i get to do what i want with it i, I think god provided a remedy for our greed in our lives is is what he did, it did by requiring, even in the Old Testament, that we would give a tithe. And that tithe would be given, the first thing we give out of our money would be our tithe that we give that. And it's a remedy for greed. It says, do this, do this tithe, and all these things will be added to you, but you have to do this first. got to give your tithe. Then this will be added to you. I think the remedy for workaholism, what God has given us here in the Fourth Commandment, where he says, work six days, and then put a period on it, pause it right there, and on that seventh day, seventh day is all about Stopping. Not shopping, but about stopping, right? What is to stop? It's about stopping what you were doing in those six days where you were working. He says, stop. And on that seventh day, he says, set it apart for worship and for rest, is what he's saying, for worship and for rest. Leviticus chapter twenty-two, verse 23, verse 3 says this. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work, Wherever you live, it is a Sabbath to the Lord. So he's saying, there's a day that you have to stop. There has to be a Sabbath day. You have to stop is what he's saying. He said, this is a day of sacred assembly where you're gathering together, together, a holy day, a sacred assembly as we gather to get together, right? To God, we come together. The children of Israel, they practiced this in a tabernacle or a tent of meeting. When they built their temple, it was a place where they gathered. And then later on, they would have the synagogues where they have those in the city. Jesus practiced this. He would go to the synagogue where the reading and teaching of the scriptures, and it was kind of a, a, day, a time of consecration to God is what he would do. One day a week, he says, keep it holy, remember it. It's made it to the top ten, right? It's a big deal. It's not an option. God didn't give it as an option. It's a big deal. I, I want to point out here that on the seventh day for them, it was a day of worship and of rest. They're not the same. Those are two different things worship and rest are two different things. Many of us we have made this in our own lives a day a five-day work week, right? Most of us work 5 days, might work 4 days, whatever it may be. And then you have this two days. In theory you have two days off where you can you can in that time sometime have worship and have rest, right? That's the theory that's what goes. And I think it's really important first of all for us to understand that those 6 days or those five days or whatever days you work where it's four days whatever work week looks like it shouldn't be those in those six days where you come and you're working has, there has to be a day of rest There shouldn't be more than six days you have to rest on the seventh day sometime in that week rest whatever that work week looks like that work week should not be a day week of drudgery where you're saying i can't wait till it's four or five o'clock on friday i'm getting out of this place oh here comes monday i can't wait to that work week is coming i i, I don't look forward to it it's miserable it's miserable. The New Testament help us to understand that even with our work, it's to be done unto the Lord, right? Our work is to be done unto him. And all the deeds and all the work that we do is unto him. It's for God's glory. We're working for him. It's not for your boss. It's not for your, your company. You're working for the Lord. So we're not just killing five days. We're just not killing six days till we get that at holy day. Can't wait till we get that at holy day. Uh, because in those five or six days have to be times where we worship in our work we're doing it to god and we're worshiping we're worshiping god as we're working as we're doing those things that we're doing we're worshiping god in our work the new testament church it's a, it's a big deal what happened there they moved from saturday to sunday to worship why would they do that why did they move from saturday to sunday because this because of the resurrection right the resurrection. They moved from there. They were to come on Sunday morning, the first day of the week, and to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was a big deal. It was a radical change for the Jews that came to be Christians, because they worship on the last day of the week, on the Sabbath, and now it was changed for Christians who put their faith and trust in Jesus, that they now are worshiping on the first day of the week. First Corinthians chapter 16 said they gathered together on the first day of the week, where they were gathered to worship together, to lift up their hearts and minds to God on the first day of the week right Where we gather together that's our Sabbath now that's the day of the Lord where we come together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ so every Sunday we're to celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead the resurrection of Christ so the focus is on Christ and what he did for us let's break this down a little bit more so we can make application for us the early church did this and they practiced it and and they looked forward to that time period where they could have rest and they could have worship. Not the same, the rest of the worship. I want to make sure you understand. I'm going to get to that in a moment. It's not the same. They look forward to it in large part because they had something that we don't have today that is persecution. The early church had heavy persecution on a day-to-day basis. They were persecuted, and many would lose their lives because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And they couldn't wait to gather together in those, and to worship on those weekends, to come together in community into the presence of the Lord and lift up their hearts and minds to worship. They couldn't wait for that. They looked forward to that, to say, to see that brother or their sister, oh, she's healed here she's not in prison. They didn't take a We're here together. We're gathered here together. They were, couldn't wait to, for that. So I think of that song, Lord, I Need You. Know that song, Lord, I Need You? Lord, I need you every hour I need you. Lord, I need you every hour I need you. You know that song? And I think to myself, do we need the Lord? Do we really need him? I mean, what would make us need the Lord? They had persecution. What would motivate us that we need to come here on Sunday mornings to worship? What would motivate us to have to be here? They had persecution. They they wanted to be here. They couldn't wait to be here the writer of hebrews challenges us in hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 where he says this let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching so the spirit of the law of this commandment what he's given us is there needs to be set aside a time for worship and for rest every week for worship and for rest so when you put a period at the end of that week and And Saturday morning comes, and and you're saying, we need to look at our Saturdays and Sundays. Are we resting? Are you really resting? Are you getting the rest you're supposed to have? We just fill in those days with activities and all kinds of different things and going to different places and taking our kids from here and there and everywhere. And when you come to Sunday night, you're just exhausted. And Monday morning's the beginning of the work week, and if you have not rested, you have violated this fourth command because you did not rest. You did not rest. We may not be working, but we're not resting, right? And we rest in all different ways, Almost rest in different ways. Some of you rest by a fishing pole in your hand. You go fishing, that's your resting. Some of you will rest and you'll be sitting back in that lazy boy chair with that thing in your hand, you're doing this, flicking the channel, right? That's resting. We rest in different ways. Some of you rest by gardening, by being outside. And that's that's kind of me, I like to be busy outside and that just get enjoyment and rest from that. Some of you rest by cooking. Some of you rest by going for a walk or going to, for a run. And we rest in different ways. It doesn't matter how we rest, but it matters that we rest, is what he's saying. That we're supposed to rest. And if we don't do it, we don't rest, we don't realize how much we need that in our lives. We are disobeying God when we don't rest. We disobey God. God told us we need it, we need it. He knows us better than we know ourselves. We disobey God. So the question is are you getting your rest? Are you getting the rest that you need? On those Saturdays or Sundays, or whatever days you have off. You don't have Saturdays or Sundays off. Whatever days you have, are you getting your rest that you need? The second question, you know the next one, are you getting time to worship? And in a sacred or holy assembly, are you getting your time, a sacred assembly like like this? According to Leviticus chapter 23, this is our time. This is our sacred assembly where we come together and worship. This is what God is talking about. Not just, just, oh, yeah, I'm worshiping. No, in a sacred assembly like this, are you meeting? The absence of persecution in the evangelical church in America today, the regular attender of the church, right now in a sacred assembly, is 1.4 times to 1.7 times per month. So they miss more than they are here, right? The average attender misses more than they are in church. So what kind of message are we sending to our God to say, "Lord, I need you"? Do we really, Lord, I need you? I need to obey you. I need to follow. Do we really see? We're, we're not talking about a day here, guys. We're talking about a little over an hour to come into the sacred assembly. That's it. That's it. A little over an hour where we come and we, we give to God and we're meeting together. That's what God is asking. You come together in the sacred assembly. And, and maybe you say, Pastor Doug, we're here. Lighten up, right? Maybe you're saying that to me. Talk to the people that aren't here. And I understand it. What I'm saying, we need to set a time where you and I come to worship God. Every week, every week, we need to set that time aside. It's the most important a uh, time of the week where we gather together in community in holy assembly to lift up our voices and praise him to open up the word and then we respond to the word we need that every one of us needs that in our life that's why God created the church we need that God knows we need that we need to gather together to lift our voices together to read the word together and respond respond to it. we need that togetherness remember those words of Isaiah where he says are you using my day for your day. Don't do it. God said, this is my day. Everything you do around this day revolves around this holy, sacred assembly. That's what he's saying. Don't do it. Don't use it. Don't do it. Otherwise, you violate this fourth command, he's saying. And let me share one more thing. It says in verse 11, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. The third thing to learn about the Sabbath Follow God's design to rest. Follow his design to rest. He gives us that. He gives us that design. Uh, The book of Genesis tells us that God worked on six days, and then he rested on the seventh day. Did God rest because he was fatigued? Did God rest because, boy, I had to make those human beings, and, man, that wore me out. And so I'm so tired. I'm so tired for that. No, God doesn't get tired. God rested because we need it. To give us an example, to set that pattern designed for you and I to see we need to rest. So how do you and I obey this command? How do we obey it today? Let's look what Jesus did. It's a good, good model to see what Jesus did as he followed this. Jesus was walking on, the, on this earth. And there was a group of religious leaders. You heard me talk about them before, called the Pharisees, right, these religious leaders. And they had taken the laws, remembered the Sabbath day and keep it holy, and they made these laws. They made legalistic extensions of these laws, what they would do. They would take a law that God had given, and now we're going to add to it. And they would add to it, add to it, and make all these legalistic requirements. And so let me give you an example. So if your grandmother was coming to your house, and she was coming through the field, and she happened to fall, and she got hurt, and you go out the scene, you find out she broke her hip. So the first thing you say, i got to get her out of the field, so what am I going to do? I need to get a stretcher. and I need to get two to four people, two poles, and some fabric in between there, and get them to carry the poles. Now, if they were carrying the poles and someone happened to drop one of the poles and that pole dug into the dirt, according to the Pharisees, you just plowed on the Sabbath and you violated the Sabbath. You could not do that. So what are you going to do about grandma? She's stuck in the field. We can't go get her because we cannot violate the Sabbath. Then Jesus comes along with his disciples on the Sabbath day and he's going through a grain field and one of his disciples took some grain and they ate it. And immediately, the Pharisees come to him and say, your disciples just broke the Sabbath day. And Jesus shared with them in Matthew chapter 12. He says, do you remember David? That David and his companions ate the consecrated bread. Do you remember that? And he says, do you remember, he says, that the high priest worked on the Sabbath, just like I do. I work on the Sabbath and God's holy day. All pastors, they work on the Sabbath and God's holy day. And Jesus is saying, am I not greater than David? Am I not greater than the high priest? am I not the Lord of the Sabbath is what he's saying. Because the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so Jesus was violating their legalistic extensions of the law. God didn't make those. They made those. And he was violating those. And then we find that Jesus took that work and rest, and he used it as a metaphor for what he did. He did something amazing there. And he says, I have not come to destroy the law, but I've come to fulfill the law. When Jesus died on the cross, he fulfilled the law he realized the law was realized and it comes into hebrews chapter 4 verse 3 listen to what it says it says now we who have believed it's talking about the gospel of jesus christ enter that rest so there remains then a sabbath rest for the people of god for anyone who enters god's rest also rests from his own work just as god did from his so what you saying everyone who acts like the the Pharisees, those religious leaders, and they're trying to obey these commands in fear of God and also of their own self-glory. They're somehow they're thinking they're going to impress God and they're gonna they're gonna attain this uh, uh, relationship with God, and God's going to allow them enter into heaven because of how they live by the law, live by these rules, jump through all that. They says we're going to do this. That's how God's going to accept this. God is saying no, 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 no. That's not how I accept. He said that's not that's not what happens. He said, Jesus fulfilled all this. So he said, lay down your wear barrels, put down your righteous rakes. He says, and come to Jesus who's given you rest. It's not what you do, it's what Jesus has done, amen? So what Jesus is saying, he's taking this picture of our own salvation, what he's doing here. He says, because he fulfilled the law, he finished and completed the work on the cross. And so now he's saying, all come to me who are weary and burdened. And he says, I will give you rest. I will give you rest for your soul, and I will give you peace is what he's saying. So so what he's saying, he says, that all those things that you've been trying to do to make yourself right with God, to appease God, have this relationship with God, all these religious hoops that you've had to jump through to do this and to do that and to make all these legalistic extensions for you to do so God would accept you, Jesus says, come to me, and I'll give you rest from that. You no longer have to do it because I fulfilled it all. I've accomplished it on the cross. It's completed in Jesus Christ. I've accomplished it all. I fulfilled all the law of God. I fulfilled it all. And when you come to me, you have fulfilled that. I give you rest from all those religious works that you got to do out there to appease God, to get a relationship. I've given you that. You can have a relationship with God through me. So now you and I, who know Jesus Christ, your Savior, we, we now have a relationship with God because of our faith in Jesus. We don't work and obey God to get a relationship. We work and obey God because we have a relationship. You see the difference? There's a huge difference. I have a relationship, so now I obey God, not out of fear, not out of self-glory, I obey God out of love. And he says, you enter my rest. We rest in Jesus because my relationship is sealed through Jesus Christ. It's sealed. I don't have to worry about, am I going to heaven? I'm going to heaven if I put my faith and trust in Jesus so I can enter his rest. And now I obey, obey him because I love him, because I have a relationship. And I don't have to run, jump through all those religious hoops and do all these things. And I want to obey him because I love him and I realize what he's done for me. Amen? You see the difference. Hopefully you see the difference. Hebrews goes on and says that you enter his eternal rest. Eternal. It's forever. We enter that rest with Jesus. For all of you who don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, there might be some in here that don't know him, You're like the world right now who's trying to work their way, and they're saying that I have to do all these works so God will accept me, and and I have to go through life, and I have to work, and and hopefully my good works outweigh my bad works, and, and then God will accept me. It doesn't work like that. There's nowhere that is found in the Bible. Don't base, as I said last week, don't base your eternity on what's not found in the Bible. You have to come by faith. And believe what Jesus Christ did for you up on the cross, that he died on the cross for, for your sins is what he's done. And if you don't know Jesus yet, he died that you might live, that you might have eternal life, that you wouldn't spend one minute of eternity apart from him. He died to give you rest. Rest. And so if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior, understand this. We're all sinners. Every one of them. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner separated from God, and there's nothing I can do about it because I'm a sinner, and God is perfect, holy, and just, and righteous in all his ways, and I am not. And there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing you can do. And that God sent his son Jesus into this world who took on the form of a human being. He went to the cross, and God placed all those things that separate you and I from God, all those sins, all those things that we've done, and he died on the cross, and he paid the price for all of those. Amen? That's God's grace. Jesus died for our sins. God's grace, and He paid that. Now you and I have an opportunity to have a relationship with God through Jesus. But the Bible says I have a responsibility. I've got to accept that by faith. I got to make that my own. I've got to say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins, and I, I, by faith accept you as my Savior. I believe in the finished work you did for me on the cross and accept that Trust Him as my Savior. If you've never done that, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus for forgiveness of sins and enters rest. You all have to do that as yourself. You can't ride on your mom and dad's faith or grandparents' faith. You have to do that yourself. And if you've never done that, please do that today. If you have questions about that, please see me, because your eternity hinges on what you do with Jesus. You either be with him forever if you accept him. If you don't or you put it off, it means I will be apart from Jesus forever. It's one of the two places, what you do with Jesus. So come and see me on that. So what about all of us as believers in Jesus Christ? Those say, man, I've accepted Christ. What are we going to do with this? Well, we're going to go to work, right? We're going to go to work. We go to work, right? We work. And he says six days you work. Some of you are retired, but you still do things. Hopefully you're doing things. He says you work. In six days you're going to work. Some of you work five days. Some of you work four days. Whatever days that you work and whatever days you have off, there's going to be a period at the end. There's going to be a pause. There's going to be a stop, right? The things you, you're doing in your work. There's going to be that. And there's one or two days, Will you have in that time where it says in those days, or at least some times where you have a time to rest? You're spending time to rest sometime during that time. And there's going to be a time for worship in a holy assembly like this, in a sacred assembly like this, where I've set aside that time, where I'm going to have that in my life. I'm going to do that. So my question is, are you giving God the time for worship? Only you can ask that every week. In a sacred assembly like this where you're meeting Are you giving yourself time for rest? You so desperately need it. It's not easy to accomplish in our world today. I know we're so busy running from here and there and doing all this. May the Lord help us to be obedient to rest and to worship because we so desperately need it. And so many times people will say, but you don't understand, Pastor. God has given me the body. I don't need a lot of rest. I don't need a lot of sleep so I can go and go and go and go. No, no, no. You don't understand. God created you, and he knows exactly what you need. And he said, I created your body to work no more than six days a week, and then you've got to have time to rest. All of us need that. If we're not, we're not functioning properly, and we're disobeying this fourth command. And then also, we need time where we come together and worship together in a sacred assembly. And sometimes people, we, well, I could do that at home online. No, that's not what it's talking about here. It says we come together and meet with others. Let's not stop meeting together. Not online, meeting together together here in a sacred assembly coming together, worshiping together is what he was talking about, for worship. Not talking about all day, just set aside a time, and we come together where we do this together. So are you getting the rest that your body needs, and you're worshiping the God which he deserves? We so desperately need it. We so desperately need it. God knows what we need. That's why he created the church, so you and I could come and fellowship and worship together, right, and have an opportunity to, to praise him together, they open up the word together and then respond. And right now we have an opportunity to respond. Will I obey or will I disobey? Will I violate the fourth command or will I obey the fourth command? We have an opportunity. And last week, as I said, with the third command, it goes back to the third command. So let us just close the Lord in prayer and just have give our hearts and minds to God, and thank Jesus for all that He's done for us. He's provided the rest, so we have that relationship with God. Let's just pray. Lord, I come and we praise you, God. Lord, as we go through the commandments, so many times as Christians, as believers, we stay in the New Testament, and Lord, we think those commands don't apply, but the spirit of those commands definitely apply. The heart of those commands, we still need it. And this is the one command that many people look over because uh, it's not repeated in the New Testament. But the spirit of it, Lord, and the principle of it, we still have the same bodies they did in the Old Testament. Our bodies get tired, and we need time to rest, and you know that. So, Lord, I pray that each one of us would take this seriously. And say, boy, I need to rest my body. And I need to have a time when I'm off, separate from work, where I stop what I was doing, and just time for rest. And whatever that may be, Lord, lead us and guide us. It gives us that rest. And then, Lord, we'd have a time where we come together for worship in a sacred assembly like this, that we'd have that time, that we'd set our time around this. If we don't feel like we need it, Lord, we just obey the scriptures that tell us in Hebrews chapter 10, Verse 25, let us not give up meeting together, some other habit of doing, but that we would meet together because we need it, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us to obey this. Help us to live the life that you've called us to live in obedience, Lord. Every one of us have a chance right now, Lord, to either shrug this off and disobey it and say, ah, it doesn't apply to me, or to say, God, I'm going to take your word seriously. And I'm going to obey it. I'm going to obey it. I'm going to listen and do what you tell me to do. And I pray that for each one of us. Our hearts are bent on obeying you, walking with you, and obedient to all that we do. Lord, help us. Lord, I pray for anyone who's struggling in whatever they might be struggling with. Maybe they don't know you. I pray for their soul this morning, that they would realize they're a sinner in need of a Savior, and the only Savior that you have provided, There's only one, is through Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross for their sins, and they might put their faith and trust in him and him alone for forgiveness of sins. And I pray that, that everyone who is sort of struggling as we're believers in Jesus Christ, whatever it may be, that, Lord, we realize that same Savior who died for me is the same Savior that keeps me and sustains me each and every day by his grace, his mercy, and his power each and every day. And he loves us. And then we surrender and come to him and give him our needs, give him our problems, whatever it is. We belong to him. He is our God and we are his people. So everything I have is his, including my problems including my debts, financial, that I give them and surrender them to him. Say, God, take these. Help me. Help me be obedient to you as I walk with you. So, Lord, we lift up our hearts and minds to you. And we surrender and say, uh, Jesus, you are our God. There's no one like you. For You died for us. And you love us enough to give yourself. And so, Lord, if we don't know you, I pray we'd accept you today. If we do know you, we make the choice of walking in you, with you, and get the rest in the worship we need so lord as we sing this last song let it be a uh, devotion to you our hearts and minds lifted up and lord the meaning of our hearts that we love you We walk with you in obedience because we've entered your rest through jesus christ we love you and praise you we ask these things in that glorious name in the name of jesus amen